jewelry in my chain sick. That's the life I want to live. Show me the money. Show me the money. Welcome to the Pay Matters Podcast, a podcast about the art and science of employee compensation. Each week, we deliver the best information and analysis about compensation trends. Now, here's your host, David Weaver. Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Pay Matters Podcast. I'm your host, David Weaver, president of the Compensation and HR Group and author of the book, Pay Matters. I'd like to welcome our guest, Laura Calandrella, sustainability strategist at her firm, Laura Calandrella Consulting, and author of the book, Our Next Evolution. Laura, it's so nice to have you here. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for the invitation. Yes, so I work in the sustainability field. Largely what I do is help groups to collaborate on big environmental challenges. And those groups are generally diverse organizations, leaders within diverse organizations from the nonprofit, for-profit, and government sectors wanting to come together to solve some sustainability challenge. And baked into that is a lot of leadership development, is a lot of facilitation, is helping people think at a systems level sc- scale. Um, so it's a, I wear a lot of different hats, but at the heart of it, it's how do we work together to solve our environmental challenges? I love that. That's great. And I did get a chance to read your book. It was fabulous, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. First of all, um, you know, I want to kind of, because our listeners are human resources professionals, compensation professionals, I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the new jobs that will be created by organizations pursuing green initiatives. Can you tell us about that? Yes, it's so interesting because 20 years ago when I was studying environmental issues and in university, it was like we were kind of under the radar. Everybody was in business school (laughs) and now it's everybody wants to be something in sustainability. So it's really cool that that things that I'm passionate about are having their heyday. And we've seen a shift, I think, over the last several years for chief sustainability offer. officers at a at the executive C-suite level. Um, but I think particularly with the recent American jobs plan that Biden put out, there's a lot of focus that's going to be on the engineering side of it and looking at, you know, carbon capture. I mean, there's a lot of science that's going to shift towards um, carbon neutral economy, reducing fossil fuels. So those aren't necessarily the the sexier jobs of, of sustainability that get a lot of press, um, but they're extremely, extremely important. And then also, I used to work in uh, the I used to work in the Forest Service, which is a land management agency and a federal land and uh, land management agency, and all of the impact of COVID last year. Everyone is recreating in our national parks, our national forests, even our state parks and our state forests. And so I'm really curious to see what will be emerging um, in the in the federal jobs as well to support this increased emphasis on our, our national lands. Um, 
you know, running down. So environmental engineers, project managers, sustainability, sustainability consultants, there's just going to be a lot of ways that all of, I think the current jobs shift towards thinking about how they connect with sustainability issues. That's excellent. And, and in preparation for our discussion, I looked up a few of the jobs and, you know, jobs like conservation scientists starting out at, you know, $65,000, energy engineer, $80,000, environmental engineer, $90,000, you know, forest and conservation technicians around 50,000, renewable energy consultants at around 85,000. So, these are these are good paying positions and and I'm really excited to to see new jobs be created it helps it helps the environment it helps the economy so uh, yeah I'm I'm also uh, real happy to see these and, and we have to make sure on my side we have to make sure that these new jobs get into our compensation surveys um, so that we do have data to, to be able to, you know, really attract and retain folks that want to do these jobs. Yeah. And David, you know, what's really exciting is that with the, the American jobs plan, there's going to be a lot of jobs for non-college educated people as well at a good paying rate. I don't know. I don't have the compensation plans in front of me, but construction and manufacturing and transportation, that whole jobs plan focuses on recreating America's infrastructure. So there's, there are good jobs out there for a wide range of people with different backgrounds. Oh, that's great. We really love to hear that. Well, thank you. That's that's excellent to give us an overview on the on the new jobs. Now, uh, you and I talked about this. You have an interesting perspective on how to address diversity in the workplace by focusing on diverse communities and exposing people to the environment. Can you share that with us? Yes, you had asked the question, how can HR focus on recruiting and retaining diversity? And I wanted to take a step back and say, okay, at the point where you are recruiting and retaining, the diversity issue has almost, it is what it is, right? You only have access to the people who have gone through an educational process that's going to lead to these green jobs. And I like to think about it as how do we change the system, the whole entire system that will get those people at, at your doorstep. That's a lot of the work that I do. And it's the call for collaboration. It can't just be um, government or, or at the federal or the state level thinking about how do we change our education system. It has to be that we start to see organizations, for-profit organizations participate in either policy changes or or local initiatives or even thinking about how do you give scholarships or support nonprofits that are focused on and I would say two things. The first is getting youth into nature early. It is strongly correlated with the kinds of jobs that they will choose and have a bent towards more environmental jobs. Um, and I think the challenge there is that um, our BIPOC communities are three times as likely to live in nature-deprived areas. That, and that's, that's scary. Those are the people that are the diversity pool of the future. Um, the second thing that I would say is, so that's at a youth level. Um, so the second thing that I would say is that we still need a focus on 
STEM education in university. And what the research says is that even though women and minorities are participating now in degree programs that are STEM related, they have a really high dropout rate still. And the research says that there's just, um, they're still feeling discrimination. And, And so as an organization, thinking about what is my role in helping to actually move the system. So that's not just HR's issue to deal with, but really digging into who who's the pool that I'm trying to impact and what are the challenges that are in front of them and going at diversity that way. I really like that approach. That's, you know, that's really starting at the fundamental level and, mm-hmm. and working up. So excellent, excellent perspective. Thank you. Now, in your book, you describe four aspects of collective action. Could could you go over those, please? Yeah. There are four practices. I'll just change the language a little bit. There are four practices of collaborative leadership. So thinking about those systemic issues that I was just mentioning and thinking about that no single organization can solve that on, on their own. What do we need to be doing to develop ourselves as leaders and practicing in our personal and professional lives, as well as when we come together to work with others, what do we need to be practicing? So really quickly, the first is to cultivate presence, getting very clear on what is my purpose, whether it's in the day, the meeting, your life, society, right? What is my Mm -hmm. purpose? What's important to me? Creating the space for that to be expressed. And I think that happens in two ways. The first is that internal space, knowing what your emotional landscape is at any given moment, knowing what you are driving towards in terms of action. But then also I'm talking very much the physical or virtual spaces that we create with others. So how do we intentionally design spaces, which is another really interesting (laughs) thing to talk about in a COVID area or era rather, um, How do we intentionally design spaces that support collaboration and collaborative leadership? The third is leveraging diversity. And we've talked a little bit about this, but how do we challenge ourselves to think about what diversity is, what role it plays, and really step outside of our boundaries so that we can bring in perspectives that help us see whatever issue we're wrestling with. Um, And then also the practice of breaking down our biases and assumptions, learning to create cultures that acknowledge that the biases are always there and finding a way to work through them. And the last is sustaining dialogue. So we will always come back to to conflict or challenge or not being able to see one another's perspectives. And so dialogue is a process of communication that helps us to really open up spaces for new, generative, innovative solutions to come forward. With all of those four practices in place, which is a, con- a continuous self-education and continuous collaborative practice, then that's when we're able to get to our most powerful collective actions. So that's the model that I lay out in the book. I really like that framework. And it's so, it's so logical and it's, uh, which really helped me wrap my mind around it because it's, it's such a big undertaking. So Mm -hmm. you kind of broke it down and into bite-sized pieces so that we could digest it. So I, I appreciate that. Um, 
and and then kind of take that forward. So you've got those four practices, um, and and that that should help leaders be more collaborative. And and how how do you approach collaborative leadership and 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 help people produce some innovative results? Right. I and I want to keep tying it back to your audience to make it re- relevant. And I. Even within an organization, HR is a function that has to collaborate across all other areas of the organization. It is a challenging role to play because there's a, a depth of knowledge and expertise about the culture of each piece of, of that organization and, and what the leadership culture is like or the leadership um, presence is, is like. So when I think about going into an organization and, and helping, let's say, HR, let's say, wrestle with the diversity issue. Really, for me, it's about bringing people into the space, a physical or virtual space, to have a conversation about what is what is the challenge. So we don't just say, okay, we need we need more diversity, but digging deeper, digging a little bit deeper into seeing each person's perspective and and individual people also represent the systems that they're a part of. So a leader from one department comes in, they're not just that leader, they've got, you know, 100 people or 30 people behind them that they're representing. So it's it's about being really intentional about how do we have those those dialogues so that we can understand the challenge clearly, we'll work through any points of difference, not to resolve them necessarily, the points of difference, but how do we use those points of difference to create something new or create something that we can get excited about? It's the points of difference, actually, that create the innovative piece. Um, so that's the win-win of, of collaboration. Does that give you enough of a framework for your audience? Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, you brought up something that I wasn't really thinking about. So there's collaboration within an organization, mm-hmm. but there's also collaboration among different organizations. And that could be, right, that could be a, within a community. It could be within an association, an industry association. Can, can you give an example from your consulting practice of kind of how you brought um, leaders together to, to get them to work together toward this type of cause? Right. I am usually hired by one of the leaders who's seeing a challenge and knows that bringing other organizations, so collaborating across other organizations is going to be the only way to get to a solution. Um, so, Right now, and I was mentioning this before, um, but I'll take it down to a more of a minuscule scale. Biden has also just put out an executive order that is um, basically saying by 2030, we will have protected 30% of the land in the United States. That's a big order on a really quick scale. And that impacts impacts every part of our economy, all three sectors. And so there's this real scrambling for how do we do this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who does it? How do we do it? And and on the for-profit side of things, whether 
whether the for their sustainability mission or or to have social license or because they truly see the business case for um, participating in something like this, they they're looking around um, and wondering, okay, what nonprofit can I work work with? The government again is a is another really key player. So I'm being asked um, at this particular moment from networks that I've worked with for many, many years to help them wrap their heads around it. Because as an outside party, um, so facilitators aren't, don't always have to be, (laughs) be neutral, but I'm objective, right? I, I can see things from, from multiple angles and, and I don't have a dog in the fight. Um, I mean, I do in a, in a more general, this is what I'm passionate about, but it's really helping them to sit down and even just start. I mean, the conversations that I'm already in is to, to, okay, let's just try to understand what you see as the, the, the issue, the call to action and, what you're thinking. I mean, it's as simple as that because these problems are so complex to, to try to unwind them, um, take some time. And that I think is the challenge that we're facing right now in the environmental crisis is we're kind of too late. And yet at the same time to really make gains, we have to spend, uh, invest a lot of time with one another. So this this initiative from the Biden administration could really be a huge opportunity for you and your consulting organization to kind of lead the way uh, for your clients. Yeah, <laughs> it looks to be that <laughs> looks to be that way. Um, but I mean, like I said, the environment is having its heyday right now, which I I I even hesitate to say that because it's it, it's not for the best of reasons that everyone's mm-hmm. paying attention to it right now. But I'm glad to to see that it's becoming becoming more important, not just at a political level, but in the hearts and minds of the the public. Um, and it's actually something an issue it's an issue that crosses both sides of of the political aisle. Um, it, it's something, I mean, especially because of the going back to the jobs piece of it, there's so much economic growth that can happen as a result of us really figuring these issues out. Absolutely. Well, you know, as you were talking, I got thinking about, you know, what we've all gone through over the last, you know, 15 months or so. And, and the pause that the pandemic created in, in terms of uh, commuting, in terms of impact on the environment, I mean, you know, the pandemic was a was a terrible thing for us to go through, but from an environmental standpoint, it it really put kind of a, a hold on everything. How how did you feel about that? I don't know the stats on what the carbon emissions uh, results were. I live in Atlanta. And I know that our traffic, I would go ride my bike in the middle of the day down the streets and there was nothing going on. It was fantastic. Um, That has since changed. We're Mm -hmm. kind of edging back to to normal. I think that that is, that there will be positive impacts and especially as we're rethinking our workspaces and what does that look like? There's, There's a fact that's kind of interesting though that I, I wasn't really thinking about or aware of, and it relates to all of our video calls. Um, 
there's significant carbon output from video, right? And and the di- our digital footprint. I think we're going to start to see a lot of conversation about our digital footprint related to carbon. And even as your HR people thinking about what do those virtual workspaces look like, um, being aware that, that there's a sustainability conversation in that too. I don't think many people are aware of it. Um, but then also, you know, there's, like I said, nature has become really, really important. It is from a mental health standpoint, it was the only place anybody could go. Mm-hmm. A- and there was a lot of pressure on on public lands, which is also something to be mindful of. But the, again, research shows that two hours in nature um, has significant benefit on our on our mental and emotional health. Two hours a week in nature, it's like the new 10,000 steps. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing that. So there's an appreciation that is coming from that experience of being so isolated and really going to the place that, that we came from <laughs> essentially, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah, no, I really, I really appreciate that. And I, I didn't realize that the video had an impact. And so we're hearing it from you first, I'm sure for <laughs> a lot, for a lot of people, they hadn't really thought about that. So mm-hmm, appreciate mm-hmm. that. And, and one other question I have for you, cause uh, the, a lot of my guests are authors and we always like to know how you came up with your book title, Our Next Evolution. David, I hate naming things. I hate naming <laughs> blog posts. I hate naming chapter titles. I hate it. Um, it and it's something that I struggle with. And I, I can't remember how many brainstormed lists that I went through with, um, you know, with my with my editor, with the marketing team at Scribe, with like all, I mean, we just had lists and lists and lists and lists. And I knew that there was something about forward thinking. Uh, and I didn't want to get caught in, I wanted something conceptual that then the subtitle could drill down into. And it just, when I finally land, landed on it, I was like, this is it. Um, because it's a call to action and at the same time, I try to keep my book really optimistic and hopeful and, and moving towards the future. And it just was like, yeah, this is, and, and we can evolve. <laughs> we must and we can. So yeah, I'm not sure it was any sort of brilliant process. I think it took about, you know, two weeks of pounding my head against the wall. So I can totally relate with that. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it is a process, and but I, I like it and um you know, and it just, it, it makes you want to open the book and read it. And, and I got through it very quickly. I mean, I just didn't put it down. So I, I would encourage everyone out there to, to get that. And speaking of that, uh, how can our listeners get in touch with you if they need sustainability consulting and how can they purchase your book? Yes. Yeah, so my website is up in live, lauracalandrella.com. Please connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm also just for your HR people. I'm finding a really beautiful place on, on Instagram to connect with maybe some of your, your next leaders, your next recruits um, into mm-hmm. your organizations. And so I think there's become sort of this political activism on there. Total side note, but. <laughs> 
if you're looking for people, they're not just on LinkedIn. Um, anyway, so my website, lauracalandrala.com and my socials. And then the book is available in multiple places. But I think that all of us tend to go straight to Amazon. Um, and it's in Kindle, it's in audio, and it's in hardback. So I would be so grateful. Um, and yeah, let me know what you think of it. Yes, that's great. Well, I think it's great. So I'm sure our listeners will too. Well, this was such a pleasure talking with you and thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And thanks for doing all this great work in your field. Thanks for joining us this week on Pay Matters. Make sure to visit our website, paymattersbook.com, where you can check out our best-selling book, Pay Matters, the Art and Science of Employee Compensation, available for purchase on the website and now on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. David Weaver is available for compensation consulting, training programs, and speaking engagements. Thanks for listening. Gotta show me the money. Whatever.